0: Hello, and welcome to Hikes to Happiness with me, Georgia, um, where I will be talking about everything really um, life experiences, how I've managed to get through them, how I'm getting through them, and um, wanting to hear your opinions on how you've got through them. Um, and I'm basically the reason I have decided to do this podcast um, was because a couple of weeks ago I've decided to take myself away from everyone. Basically, um, there is only a handful of people that I actually speak to. Um, I've cut myself off all social medias. I don't really want to see what people are doing because I always, like, I sometimes feel myself like hating myself because I want what they've got and seeing what everybody else is doing and seeing what everybody else is saying. And I realize one day, like, I really don't care. I really don't care what everybody else is doing with their lives. I just want to focus on mine and, as my dad says, live the best version of myself. So, I'm trying this podcast as kind of like a, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as a therapy for myself. Um, basically, just to see if talking about it helps. Because I love talking, I talk all day, every day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so today I'm going to be talking about um, growing up with grief um, I sadly lost my sister when I was 6 years old, um, she was 11, she was 11 years of age, Um, and when I tell you that growing up with that was the hardest fucking thing in the world, <laughs> sorry for my language, but it was, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do, because I hated everyone, I wanted someone to blame, I needed an answer, <clears throat> excuse me, I needed an answer, I needed someone to say, it was this person's fault or it was this person's fault or this happened or you know i was just looking for because there was no answers it just happened um it was just one of them things that happened so for a long time growing up at six i grew up having to learn about her and learn about what happened whilst also learning about death itself because I was far too young to understand what was going on, I had no idea. Um, but as I started to grow up, I would realised I'd actually lost my best friend. Um, and that was hard, that was so difficult. And um, we danced to Britney Spears all the time. We, we'd we hide, well, she'd hide me in a bed um, and pretend to be asleep My mum used to come in. I, they all used to hide from me like my sisters my other sister and um, my other older sister um Jamie's younger sister. We used they used to have all the friends around on a Friday night and they used to hide away from me in the house so I couldn't play with them. Like I remember things like that. And that was another thing growing up with grief was not really remembering anything or thinking I'd remembered something but not knowing if I'd had, so having to ask all these questions, and I think it was obviously very difficult for my dad as well, because he was the one that was answering all them questions, Um, he had to answer them for me, for my little brother, for my sister, and for my mum as well, like, my dad was the strongest, is the strongest person I know, Um, nothing can break that man and see when he lost his daughter he threw himself into everything he I think, I want to say he did boxing or taekwondo, I'm not 100% sure, Um, but he did that, he runs marathons for Jamie's fund, which is a fund that we'd set up after she died Um, we've bought incubators, my dad's managed to raise enough money to buy incubators for babies in hospitals Um, the wheat. The um, when my sister died, the waiting room in the hospital where she died, my mum and my mum's old friend redecorated all, put all games in there and stuff. I remember that. Yeah, there's been some mad things that we've done and seen for Jamie, um, and that's how I dealt with it for a long time, was I was living my life through her. Like, I was... Yeah, of course I want to keep her alive. Don't get me wrong. Of course I want to keep her alive, but I w- it was consuming me. The grief of her not being here was consuming my entire life. It was all I ever thought about. And I used to get angry at people, like I used to think, "What's wrong with you? Like, why, why are you pissed off at that? Your sister's not dead. My sister's dead." And it was re- it was a really toxic thing to be like. And the like when I used to hear people say or I hate my sister, and I used to think, no you don't, you don't know what it's like to lose your sister. When people genuinely don't know what it's like to lose a sister, just as I don't know what it's like to lose a parent or a cousin or a grandparent, I all I ever knew was Jamie. I, I'd had the worst thing that could ever happen to me, happen to me ever, and nobody else could ever beat that. Not even my mum and dad, for a long time I used to think, I, I used to think, you don't know what it's like to lose a sister. Until my dad said to me one day, you don't know what it's like to lose a daughter. And it's just a completely different grief. Like, I will never understand how my other sister felt or feels because I didn't, I had a different relationship with Jamie, with her. Like my sister, when she speaks about it, does get quite emotional. So she tends really to not have conversations about it where as me and my mum and my dad will talk about her all day every day no questions asked all day every day and Luke as well my little brother he talks about her as well um it's not a bad thing that my sister doesn't speak about it that's just how she's dealt with it that's just how she's gone like right okay this is how I want to carry on which is fine and that took me a long time to deal with as well because I wanted everybody to I wanted it to consume everybody else's life as well. I didn't want anybody else to carry on. I wanted everybody else to feel the pain I'd felt for so long and was suppressing because I didn't really want to know what happened because I just wanted to kind of act like she was still here. And there was times when I was growing up, about maybe 16, 17, I used to have, call them dreams, call them nightmares, is where I would physically see the front door, I'd physically feel like I was there and she'd physically walk through the door. And that, then realisations that it was like, shit, she ain't never coming home. That I felt really, I dealt with really difficult growing up with because I hated that. Because it was kind of like I was able to carry on with it and deal with it. And then it would be like an internal voice that'll go, she's never coming back you do know that stop living your life like this she's not coming back so I don't know why you're bothering and every time that hit it crushed me for about a month like I wouldn't I'd hate the world again I'd hate everybody again and then I managed to suppress it for a long time um until I probably moved out when I was 20 21 I got Billy Big Balls and was, I'm done with this, I'm going, I'm moving on. I'm not seeing anybody. (laughs) And the day I moved into my old old flat was a house share um, and my dad, the last thing my dad gave me before he left was a photo frame, a red photo frame with a picture of me and my sister in it and he passed that to me and I got in bed that night on my own and I held that picture and I cried and cried. Because all I wanted to do was ring her. I didn't want my dad to be moving me in. I hated that. I wanted... I wanted Jamie to move me in. I didn't want my dad to. So it was having to deal with that again. And... Again, same thing happened when I found out my sister was pregnant. I was over the moon. So this is going to be quite hard to try and explain. Um... Because I was... I was absolutely ecstatic. But I couldn't help but thinking, "Fuck, this should be Jamie. Jamie should be giving. Jamie should be getting pregnant. Jamie should be living with Luke Ford, who was her boyfriend. Boyfriend when she was younger, she had a boyfriend. Um, and I, I, I had to then compress and deal with that. And my dad, I felt like my dad understood that a little bit. He kind of understood where I was coming from and knew it wasn't from a malicious place. It was none of my grief was ever from a malicious place, other than to myself." Um, but I couldn't deal with that. The same with a wedding day, I managed to hold myself up for my sister's wedding day for so long, and even then, even then, she asked me to be a witness, and I, I told myself, and I managed to train my brain for that day to say, she's not doing that for you, she's asking Jamie, you just you're just the one that can physically do it, and it wasn't until the wedding day and I held the flowers and the doors open that I burst into tears and I thought, she's proud of me, Jamie's proud of me, Jamie's proud that I'm doing this. Not for her, but with her. And I cried all the way down like, I think I cried more than my sister did. Like, But yeah, so that was, that was another milestone I'd had to go through. And all these were really difficult, but someone told me something the other week and it really sat with me so the grief is like a ball so it will always be there the pain of that will always stay you will always have hold of that pain it's just the positive vibes and things you do that will grow around that and make that seem less painful so like every birthday and every anniversary I never really know how to deal with it especially because it's so close so she died 11 days after her 11th birthday. So we don't really have much time to comprehend from her birthday, which is supposed to be a positive thing, to her anniversary, to think, why are we even acknowledging this as a day? And that took me a long time to think about as well, was why are we acknowledging the day she died? Why do what, Who's getting anything positive or good from that that we're almost... Celebrating a death, but then as I've grown up and I've dealt with different things in my life, it was I've I've seen it as it's it's a day to acknowledge because it's something that happened, and no, it isn't a positive day. It's not something to be happy about, and some of our family just carry on as if nothing happened. Which is fine, carry on, it's just another day. My mum and dad tend to go away for a few days, take themselves out of that. Um, which I, I think is amazing. I do my own thing. We, we all deal with it in completely different ways. And I don't really think any of us know how we're going to deal with it in that moment. So, as for instance, our anniversary just gone, I was a wreck. I couldn't think about it. I couldn't speak about it. I remember a birthday distinctly. I was throwing... No, it was her anniversary, sorry. I was throwing up all day. I was ill. Um, I'd got myself a tattoo, though. Um, a tattoo on the back of my shoulder that says, She's so lucky she's a star. Um, because that was the last song me and Jamie listened to before she passed away. Um, Britney Spears, obviously. Um, on a little green CD player in a room. Um, And that's another thing I admire my mum and dad for as well was still being able to live in that house and still being able to, like, we we changed a room and I think I was the first one that moved into Jamie's bedroom after she died, I think, I think. And it took me a long time to get my head around it and it was like, right, again, this is another realisation that she isn't here. And I feel like I'm always going to get the moments where it's going to be like, right, okay, she's never coming back. And it's how I then choose to deal with them. So I've decided in the last few weeks, instead of living my life through her or for her, I'll live my best life for me in hopes that she'll be proud of me. And I know she'll be proud of me. She'll always be proud of me, as I will her. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about as well was a time I remember distinctly. Um, when my sister was in year 10 at school she lost her best friend to a car accident and um, he was pushing some somebody out the way it was a drunk driver Um he was pushing somebody out the way and he unfortunately got hit and died and I remember my sister going through severe panic attacks through that moment like they was all going through the GCSEs that year anyway so that was for that to happen, because this boy was the life and soul of that year, um, he was the funniest boy you'll ever meet, he, I remember I remember the first day meeting him when I was in year seven, and it was my birthday, and someone bought me a box of chocolates, and he ate them all, <laughs> and I remember going home to my mum and crying, because they were all eating them on the back page, but I was known as Zoe's little sister, and oh, he was incredible, um, but yeah, so when he died and I see my sister going through severe panic attacks and crying all the time and talking about whether she'd be able to go to the funeral and and everything like that and bear in mind the only funeral we'd ever been to in that moment was Jamie's funeral um, and that was hard enough because again I didn't know what was going on around me I was like oh everybody's together I was thinking it was some sort of massive party So she was struggling with that. And I kind of, maybe subconsciously, maybe forefrontally, I don't really know. Like, I wasn't, I didn't want her to grieve. I thought, how can you grieve over a friend when you've lost your sister? Nothing gets worse than that. And that sounds really toxic, believe me. And now, looking back, it is really toxic. But that was because I didn't know how to deal with grief. So again because I was so consumed with it I wanted everybody else to be so we had no in my eyes we had no room to grieve for anything or anybody else because that took over completely that was it nothing could nothing could be worse than that and it wasn't until um a couple of years ago I'd lost my best friend to suicide and I knew exactly exactly how my sister felt in that time and it was like right it wasn't the same sort of grief and sadness it was it was mostly because it was completely different because i knew more about death at this moment so i was able to it hurt more in in the moment than it did with my sister because i was so young i didn't know what i I didn't understand what death was or what had happened or anything I had no idea with Connor dying and my best friend he it hit me like a ton of bricks and in that moment that was when I realized shit this is how my sister must have felt when Chris her friend died and the difference was absolutely it was mind-boggling and it was again for a few days I kind of felt like why didn't I cry this much over Jamie? Why weren't I this sad when I found out Jamie died? But then I had to take myself back and keep reminding myself, right, you were six years of age, you had no idea what's going on, you're 23 now, the world's different, you know what's happening, you've learned more, you've seen more. And that was the third funeral I'd gone to. Um, I'd gone to my partner's auntie's funeral um, a few years before that, but that was the the third funeral I'd been to so I'd been to my sister's and the pain I felt at that funeral the love at that in that room for that young incredible amazing person it it took my breath away I couldn't I couldn't stay for very long I didn't, I didn't manage to, to stay for very long um because again I didn't I didn't grieve him properly I did because I didn't expect it none of us expected it no one knew what this boy was going through But I knew I had to go and I knew I had to be there and I had a drink and I had a cry. And it was just, it's it's another reason I'm doing this podcast was because I feel like not everybody feels like they can speak to someone. So I'm trying to speak to myself (laughs) because it's like my dad always used to say, I used to always say to my dad, why do you always talk to yourself? And he used to say, I'm the only one that bloody listens. And he's right he is right, like he is, you are the only person that can listen to yourself, so I feel like I'm going to start to try and do this every week, and talk about different things, and maybe get some guests on, yeah, all these different things, um, so yeah, that's my, um, path on growing up with grief, um, so also on the podcast as well, I would like to do, possibly, um, life hacks, because everybody loves a good life hack, so... I suffer really, really, really badly with acid reflux. Um, it's mostly brought on if I have, like, greasy food late at night. So the other night, I'd had a takeaway at, like, 11 o'clock, half 11 at night. I got up in the morning and was throwing up. But, so I get this overwhelming hotness, which I think everybody does when they're sick. Like, you just go hot. And my friend told me, if you put your wrist under cold water... It cools down all your body. And nah, I thought, nah, that's not going to happen. No, no. So I tried it once and it works. So if you're ever, ever, ever feeling sick, put your hand under ice cold water. That will do the trick. And I wanted to end the podcast on, Um, um I'd asked myself, what is a quote that got me through one of the hardest times or got me through a hard time or what i heard or something i thought of myself and mine is like don't be the monk that carries it basically so there is a story out there you'll have to research it and find it it's basically it's a basic story saying someone can say something to you You can read something, you can hear something, and that can sit with you for days, months, years. And that person's carried on with their life. They're living their best life, they're doing what they got to do. And you're stopping your life. The world's still going on around you, but you're still stuck thinking what this person says. So let go. Just let go. It doesn't matter what people say to you. It doesn't matter what people think of you. Just let go. And I really resonated with that because I hold a lot of what people say to me. I will, it'll sit with me. I'll analyse it and I'll want to think why they're saying that, why they're being like that. So I try and tell myself that if something happens or I hear something and or I see something that upsets me, I'll try and say, don't be the monk that carries it. And I got told that story off my very, very, very best friend, Kat. Um, she's a mini, she, well she's not a mini me because she's older than me so I'm a mini her I guess Um, but she always says that she understands me and I feel like she listens to me as well because she knows me and she hears me because she's done what I've done, she's been where I've been, she's been the little shit as a kid, she's done the psychotic girlfriend stuff we've all done and she's probably one of the only friends I have that actually listens to what I've got to say and she told me that story about the monk and now I live by that and it blew her mind and it blew my mind so yes we're gonna end today's podcast with saying don't be the monk that carries it um so yes I just wanted to say thank you for listening and hopefully you'll all be back next week um for more from hikes to happiness thank you bye